Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C., joined by both my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, as we are here to recap everything that happened last weekend at WWE United Champions, uh, AEW Double or Nothing, and everything that happened in the follow-up this week with um, Raw, with the Bloodline storyline on SmackDown, with uh, what happened at AEW on Wednesday, and possibly the lead-up to Forbidden Door. Um, but we're going to jump in and start with the first topic right away, which, of course, is the big story and everything that's happened with the bloodline. So going back to Night of Champions, we saw Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens defeat uh, Roman Reigns and Solo Sequoia after some botched interference from the Usos, which finally saw Jimmy turn on the tribal chief Roman Reigns. And then we had the continuation of it on SmackDown this past Friday, where uh, it looked like they were they were doing Roman Reigns' 1,000 uh, celebration, 1,000 day celebration as champion. We saw the Usos come out, Jay shove Roman, kind of get a holy shit chant out of the crowd. Solo looked like he was ready to side with the Usos, and then Roman hugs Jay or Jimmy, making it look like that he understands that you know he needs family and can't be this authoritarian ruler. And then after, during the hug, Roman said it ain't happening. And then Solo turns on him and we get our Roman, Solo, and Uso split here along with the new championship belt for Roman Reigns. Um, I'll ask you, Chairman, first. It's, you know, obviously got a whole week's worth of stuff here. What are your thoughts and your level of intrigue as far as the storyline goes? Yeah, I did not expect that to happen kind of as quickly as it did. But at the same time, they needed something to keep this Bloodline story going. Obviously, the Sammy chapter is, well, pretty much closed now. So the tag team, you know, division, you know, obviously Roman is solo challenged at the event. And obviously they didn't win. I thought for sure, especially since they ended up going last, there was a chance that was going to happen. But clearly the Usos kind of threw, you know, wrenches of the plans and, Jimmy's definitely more likely to confront Roman, it felt like, you know, than Jay, which is weird because I thought it'd be the other way around, but I think Jimmy just kind of got frustrated or whatever. But then we've seen Solo join with his brothers, which I think that's like the first time he ever spoke, honestly, other than, like, yelling. So that was kind of a big deal in itself. So don't know if Roman has any other blood in the works to come up and join him or if he has any other people to follow him or what's going to happen here or is someone from the Usos or Solo going to step up to Roman and fight a one-on-one for the titles I mean we got the whole summer ahead of us here and obviously Money in the Bank you know maybe one of the Usos or Solo could be a possible entrant into said match that would put some sweat on Roman for sure if they would do that I would be I think Solo would be a great addition to the latter match if they would do that and then, you know, the Usos can do their Jimmy versus Roman or Jay versus Roman. There's lots of angles to play here. Definitely puts new life into the story. And, you know, it's one thing I've, I see a lot of people talking about the Thousand Day Reign. It's like, you know, well, he doesn't defend the title that much or blah, blah, blah. You know, he's got an opinion on it. You know, it hasn't been defended in 30 days. But I feel like the Reign is fine as long as it's entertaining, and which it has been. They added new layers because. I don't need to see a title defended every half, every 30 days. I used to think that way, but now as I've kind of learned over the years, I'm like, you know what? I really don't need to see Roman Reigns face off against a B, C level opponent, you know, build, build the opponent up for Roman, 
you know, don't let him face everyone. Don't, he doesn't need to wrestle every pay-per-view. Like, you know, that's what makes his reign in God mode intriguing. It's just like, you know, he doesn't have to have a zillion title matches, like, especially when you know he's going to win anyway. So, obviously, anytime he wrestles, it's a big freaking deal. Whether it's, you know, whoever, whoever is in that spot, it's a big deal. Because, obviously, everybody wants to see Roman fall at this point. You know, who's going to be the guy to do it? So, as long as they keep the story going here, you know, it, it's solid. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't need to see the title defended every 30 days like some people want. Uh, my personal opinion, I think it's great. Obviously, the viewers thought it was great. It got 2.46 million people, I think I saw, for the overnight on SmackDown, and it normally goes up from the overnight, so you're probably looking at over 2.5 million. Um, I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, It's the split we all thought was coming. I'm going to assume we're probably going to get Roman and Solo against the Usos at Money in the Bank. Um and honestly, if I was playing this out, considering Jay's still kind of conflicted and we always get, you know, everybody talks about main event Jay, my thought is that you get this tag match with Money in the Bank and maybe Solo and Roman beat the crap out of Jimmy afterwards and you get Roman versus Jay Uso at SummerSlam for the Undisputed Universal Championship. I mean, there's not really anybody else on that SmackDown side that could challenge him right now. And, you know, even though I, I just said you don't need to see t- title defended all the time, SummerSlam being your second, third biggest show of the year, it does have to get defended there. So I could see a situation where they do Roman versus Jay at SummerSlam because I think Jay deserves a spot for everything he's done in this Bloodline storyline. And I think Jay would 100% hold up his end of the bargain in it. Um, Cam, what are your thoughts on the Bloodline storyline? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, you you have the Usos take on Roman and Solo at Money in the Bank and have Jimmy get written off TV for a couple of weeks, um, have Roman kind of make Jay, like, decide, are you with us? Are you against us? And he, you guys, they could tease that for a week or two, and then ultimately Jay, you know, takes out uh, Roman, maybe even do, like, you know, he wants a world title match and he has to beat Solo to do it, and you could have that be, like, a huge SmackDown main event, like, a week or two before SummerSlam and have have Jay conquer uh, Solo Sokoa to get the, the world title match. Um, it's been interesting. It's been great. I think that, you know, I was a little shocked that Jay was the one that was doing the talking. You know, they've been teasing Jimmy, so I think it was great for them to kind of include both, both the Usos and not just have Jay be the one um, doing all the talking and the one being frustrated. You know, Jimmy's finally boiled over as well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the question at that point becomes, do, does Triple H have the balls to put the title on Jay? Does he beat them? Then the Usos go off TV for a few weeks because after, once we get to that point, once we get the official split and if Jay does get a world title match and if he doesn't conquer Roman Reigns, you know, you kind of at that point maybe need to take the Usos off TV for a couple weeks um, just to kind of freshen things up and let them go from there. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great. I mean, there's been a lot of backlash about the title, but, you know, outside of the old school Intercontinental title and the winged eagle WWE belt, I mean, there's not a really beautiful title or a great looking title in pro wrestling they all to me pretty much look similar um aew's title looks just like new japan's title in my opinion so i mean there's no no need to kind of hate on it i mean i did like roman carrying around two belts i mean i get the one belt thing um and they'll get rid of the two belts but i also just for presentation mode it always looked cooler with him carrying two belts it made them seem like a bigger deal than just carrying the one belt um but yeah it's been great i think that they added more twists and turns and you know, they've been going on like what two two years of this, three years of this type of thing, and that 
You know, I mean, I agree with with Roman not defending every pay per view. I mean, how many times back in the day? How many times did Hogan defend the title or Bruno San Martino or any of these guys way, way back in the day? They weren't defending the title every single week or every 30 days. There was hell. There was barely live events every 30 days back then. So uh, people that want to complain about that, you know, they're just looking for something to bitch and complain about. But that's the Internet for you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Roman continues to look like a million bucks. Solo's really starting to kind of get into his groove. Um, the Usos look like a million bucks. But then my real question is, once you get them in full-on broke-up broke mode, like, what would be next for the Usos? You know, like, they obviously probably won't go after Kevin and Roman right away. Uh, maybe Triple H splits the titles. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's been fantastic storytelling, you know, for these last six, seven months. And it, I think Jay Uso does deserve a world title match. At SummerSlam, like you said, uh, Justin, like you look at the SmackDown roster and I mean, you could throw L.A. Knight in there. You could throw some guys in there, but, you know, kind of like the AEW story, like they're not beating Roman Reigns. So why why waste a match on L.A. Knight or waste a match on some of these other guys? You know, Gunther's not um, he's still on Intercontinental title reign, you know, reign still going on. So at some point, as we get closer to the next WrestleMania, even though I feel like Cody just lost lost his opportunity yesterday as we get into these summer months and, you know, the Royal Rumble and things like that, then I think we'll start to see the intrigue of who's going to be the one that dethrone Roman Reigns uh, this next year, WrestleMania. I think the one person that I'll definitely be happy about no, no longer having two belts is uh, Paul Heyman, because he doesn't have to carry two titles around on his shoulders all the time when Roman gives them to him. So he's probably the one person that really likes not having two titles around anymore. Um, yeah, so we've got Roman over there with the Undisputed Universal Championship. And then over on the Raw side of things, we saw Seth Rollins win the new World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions in a pretty good match with AJ Styles. He already announced that he's bringing back the uh, Open Challenge for uh, the world title that Big E used to do, and it's already been answered by Damian Priest on Monday, so we're going to get Rollins versus Priest on Monday. Um, I do hope that it's actually like a clean finish. We don't get some kind of stupid like count out or disqualification victory. I wanted if he's going to do these challenges, I want them um, like an actual have actual have clean finishes. Uh, but you know we've talked about Rollins at, nause- at nauseum on the show. It's you know he's he's over with his character. He's basically like WWE company guy at this point. Um, and chairman, he's your boy. So your thoughts on him winning the world title and what to expect from him going forward. Yes, it was good good times. I mean, unfortunately, I missed the match. So I had to work, and I got home, and I saw that their match was early in the show. I was hoping to catch the end of the event, but when I saw that he won the title, I'm like, well, I guess I don't have to see this because I already know what happened happened. And obviously, the presentation was solid on Raw, and you know, and then he did the tag team match. You know, AJ Styles already breaking the brand split rules, by the way. And, of course, it was interesting to see Adam Pierce call somebody and be all like, oh, you know, we don't know if we can do this match or not. It's like, bro, you're on both shows, and you're god-awful on both shows. Like, that dude sucks. He needs to go away. But, you know, obviously, Finn Balor and the Judgment Day, you know, confronted Seth. So, you know, they tease, you know, who was going to challenge him first. And, of course, Dominic gets mega heat. It's freaking brilliant. Like, that dude is, like, the most hated wrestler ever right now. And it's a good thing because he's just absolutely killing his character. We've talked about it time and time again. You know, him and Mommy are phenomenal. Priest is phenomenal. Finn's phenomenal. Like, I wish the best for these guys. I mean, they're just solid. And, you know, we might do a Seth-Finn uh, match again here at Money in the Bank, you know, possibly. It's, I mean, they obviously were the last two to see who would go to the event to face AJ Styles from the Raw brand. And, obviously, Finn is a worthy opponent. He's obviously had some run-ins with Seth over the years. 
you know, and Freeze can also be a solid, you know, guy or Dom. I mean, remember Dom and Seth faced off at SummerSlam a couple of years ago, back when Dom was the most vanilla, ugly baby face of all time. Ben Seth was like his Messiah character. I missed that run. But, you know, it's, and then, you know, you hear other people's names get brought up too, like who Seth my face, but, you know, the, the belt looks nice, you know, Seth should have a nice successful run and, you know, money in the bank's house are coming up. So there's also that threat factor, but I think we're going to have a good time, you know, especially since Seth is very, you know, likes to drive that point home of how he's going to have to fighting champion and not hiding away. And apparently he has an open challenge for raw. So be curious to see who steps up to the plate. Oh yeah. It was Damian priest. He answered it on Twitter and they accepted it. So it's not a surprise. It's Damian priest doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to see a long reign out of him. Uh, you know, Triple H has got these long heel champions with Gunther and Roman Reigns, and I think even Austin Theory's had a pretty long reign with the U.S. title. And that's fine. You know, it's fine to have those long reigns, but I want to see a long reign now with a face, too, considering I consider Seth Rollins a face on, on the Raw side. Um, you know, there's the returning Drew McIntyre that, if he returns, you know, you got to plug him in. Uh, Finn Balor's been doing obviously good work with Judgment Day. Uh, you got Dom could actually the heel heat for that would be great. Um, he's always Gunther lurking in the background. There's always Cody who's obviously got history with Seth and with the built-in story that you're holding that title, Seth. But you know I've you've never beat me one on one. So you know instant possible way for Cody to get going there. But we'll talk about Cody a little bit later. Uh, but Cam, your thoughts on Seth's win and what could be next for him? Well, I thought the match was great. Overall, I think if, I mean, I'd have to go back and watch all of the the Saudi shows, but I think top to bottom, this is probably the best Saudi show. Like, you know, it opened well, it closed well. Um, the women matches were, were great. I mean, Asuka, we'll talk about that. You know, Asuka winning the title. I agree I because, quite... yeah, and Rhea squashed Natty in like under a minute. Yeah, I thought it was the, the best booked Saudi show we've ever seen. And, you know, it's not, no... Um, it's no, no reason, you know, Triple H is in charge. You know, you look back, Vince booked all these other Saudi shows and they were just blah, you know, whatever, um, outside of the Brock Lesnar, uh, Oh no, that wasn't even at a Saudi show. Um, yeah, I think it was the best one overall. I mean, I thought their match was really great. I thought the follow-up, even though they did break the stupid, the brand split rules, but I thought it was, I thought it was well done. You had AJ come out and, you know, shake hands with, with Seth Rollins and they had the tag match. You know, well done. You can't really complain about him moving over. Like he said, I wanted to show up on Monday Night Raw and I wanted to congratulate you in person. And I thought it was well done. Um, I mean, I think Damien gets the first crack and then the next week maybe we'll go Dominic Mysterio. Then we go Finn Balor. And then, I mean, if you want to tease a potential uh, Gunther Seth Rollins match down the road, you could have him run through all, through both members of Imperium, the other guys. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that they could do. You know, if they do bring back Drew McIntyre, uh, since he wants to bitch and moan about creative or whatever his problem is, um, you could have him come down. I mean, there's a lot of guys that you could throw in the mix against Seth Rollins, and they'll be great. And, like, you know, we just talked about in the last segment about Roman not defending the title every single week. The quiet opposite over here, if you have Seth Rollins do the, doing the John Cena thing where he's the uber babyface, you know, willing to defend the title against anybody, that'll pop a rating for Raw every single week. Everyone loves Seth Rollins. He's a company man. He's basically a hall, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, and then there's all kinds of fresh matchups. It's a new title. They could do all kinds of different things. And like I said, you know, him, he's going to be possibly beat Damien. You know, he'll possibly, he's going to beat Damien. Then you could do Dominic. Then you could do Finn. He can run through all of Judgment Day, which, you know, sort of you can make an argument that makes Judgment Day look weak. But you also, 
can't take the titles off of Roman right away, or excuse me, off of Seth right away. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. You know, I'm I'm glad we're gonna have a defending champion. I think Seth, you know, for a couple years there when we were all when we would do this show and. Seth kind of didn't really have a spot and he really, you know, was kind of just floundering there for a little bit, but you know, he's regained momentum. Triple H obviously has a lot of faith in the guy. Um, he can carry your company. He can carry raw and hell maybe, I mean, wild hair up my ass. Maybe, you know, if, if Seth, I mean, he's super over every, everywhere they go, everyone's singing the song, you know, in Saudi Arabia, everyone was singing it at when they were overseas doing their European shows. Apparently he got serenaded for like 10 minutes in Paris or one of the other towns, London, something like that. I mean, I would not be far-fetched to see Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns next year for the title and Seth be the guy to beat him. Roman can take some time off, and then you could do Cody versus Seth, make it a humongous deal for another double champion. Yeah, when you're looking out that far at WrestleMania, you do wonder how, what they're going to do, and that's obviously something you can throw out there, especially with two nights now. You can have like women be main eventing one night, go to that. Uh, definitely a lot of possibilities out there as far as what to do with Seth Rollins on Raw. Um, hey, you know, hey, how have him go through Judgment Day? For, like, let's see Seth versus Rhea. That may be the best match out of all four of the uh, Judgment Day possibilities there. <laughs> let's, let's get crazy here with Seth Rollins' title reign and go down that route. Um, all right, let's go over to a couple topics now in AEW. We're going to try it. We're trying a different format here today, so we're hoping you like it. And I'm going to start with the Adam Cole, Chris Jericho, Page, Dr. Britt Baker storyline. And I don't know, like, obviously double or nothing last Sunday. I didn't really like the end of the Adam Cole Chris Jericho match with that one ending with a ref stoppage and an unsanctioned match like I don't really think that's the right way to go about and I just think this has not been doing a lot of good work for Adam Cole as a babyface. I mean, we've said during the preview show that like Adam Cole as the babyface, uh, you know, it's all part of that AEW All Access show. You're trying to make him more real with him and Britt on there all the time and going through, you know, obviously stuff that Adam Cole has done, you know, what it took to getting back into the ring with the concussions. But at the same time, there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. I don't like how AEW is doing it. I just think one of the problems is they're trying to fit Adam Cole into a role that isn't working for him. Like, no offense to the guy, and it's more on how good he is as a character. I think Adam Cole just has the look of a smarmy heel and has a guy uh, looking at him and you kind of want to punch him in the face when he talks. At least that's what it was like when he was with NXT. And he had people backing him up. Like, I just don't think the underdog babyface role works well for him, especially when you're trying to attach, you know, his real life girlfriend to it. And I mean, the it the not the amount of times you can attach a storyline and bring in your real life wife or girlfriend and have it, you know, be brought on to TV and have it work are very few and far between. I mean, you look back at, you know, when Becky and Seth were doing fighting Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans, that wasn't that good at all. Uh, you know, you want to go back and look at, um, oh shit, who else did I just have in my head? Rusev and Lana, when their real life marriage got brought up on TV, that turned into a train wreck. Um, you know, there's not that great examples of this working out and I don't think it's helping. And I've seen people suggest that Adam Cole might be the next, uh, opponent for MJF as far as the world title goes. And I just think that would be a disaster for Cole because I don't think him as a baby face is going to work. And especially when you know that Britt Baker is going to be still involved in that storyline and MJF will be going after her as well. If you're having, you know, her do the dirty work for you, like they had her come out with the kendo stick during the Jericho and uh, Cole match at double or nothing. I really wasn't that big of a fan of that. And then the mixed tag the next night was just like, okay, like, 
at least Cole and Britt won, and hopefully this means that this is the end of it, and they don't have to do anything else with them, and we move on, and this Chris Jericho feud doesn't last like every Chris Jericho feud for six straight months. Um, but it's one of the problems that I think with Cole coming back and hasn't been portrayed that well. But I'll let you, Cam, go here first on this one. What are your thoughts on this storyline and how Adam Cole is positioned in AEW? Okay, well, before I completely crap on the entire thing, I will give Tony Khan a tiny amount of credit for trying something new with Adam Cole. I'll give him a tiny amount of credit because I can't just completely shit all over it. And if we have AEW marks that listen to this podcast, they'd be like, oh, they just hate everything AEW does. I will give him a tiny amount of credit for trying to do something different. But as I said last week or two weeks ago, Adam Cole is not a tough guy. Is Adam Cole a great wrestler? Yes. Is Adam Cole tough? Yes. Is Adam Cole a badass? Yes. But he's not a tough guy. He's not like that. They're trying to do this whole fucking Macho Man Miss Elizabeth thing with um, with Adam Cole and Britt Baker, and I don't. It's not working. Um, if anything, Adam Cole. God, I don't want to say this. I'm a married man. I love my wife. I have a daughter. Adam Cole shouldn't need his girlfriend to help beat up Chris Jericho. This should be a one-on-one thing. Britt Baker should have beat up Soraya, and you know that's that's the end of that. Um, it's it's coming off as bad. Like I said, if you want to try the babyface thing with Adam Cole, you know I wish you the best of luck. He's clearly much better served as a heel than as a babyface. Like you said, if people that are familiar with his Ring of Honor work, his PWG work, his NXT work. He is that conniving asshole heel who, yes, will give you an excellent wrestling match because Adam Cole is an excellent wrestler, but it doesn't fit his character. And I know they're trying to push the the All Access show, which I stopped watching because three weeks of listening to Sammy Guevara bitch and the Young Bucks bitch was just too much for me. I just couldn't take it anymore. I stopped watching it. It's worse than Total Divas. At least Total Divas was sort of watchable. Um, Yeah, I I don't really like it. I hope it's the end of the feud. If they're going to go that route with him and MJF, he's... I mean, I love Adam Cole, but I don't think it, Adam Cole is the guy that's to, to dethrone MJF. Um, he's going to attack Britt Baker. It's going to be so predictable and callous to where you're bringing MJF's character down a peg, which, you know, we'll talk about the four pillars match, but they're already doing that. They're already like giving him cliche stuff to say, cliche stuff to do. And it's beneath MJF. His character should be getting elevated and new and adding new dynamics instead of going back down to the cheap heat crap which they would do if they go Adam Cole versus Britt Baker. MJF will talk shit about Britt Baker. It's cheap heat. No one cares. Um, And at the end of the day, he's not going to win the match Um, unless they really, really, really want to push Adam Cole as the next babyface, as the top guy. And they extend it out to all in and it's Adam Cole versus MJF. And you do that. And MJF loses two times to Adam to MJF or yeah. If Adam Cole loses once or twice, the title matches, then where do you go with his character? Um, I mean, I've had a problem with, with with double or nothing as a whole i thought it was probably you know the worst pay-per-view i mean there's been some bad wwe pay-per-views but as a whole that pay-per-view was terrible every single match had outside interference the laziest booking like i don't know it just wasn't good at all and yeah i didn't like the finish of that match i think adam cole him coming back as a babyface, i get it but you need to have him go send him down a little bit have him go after the tnt title have him go after somebody else i mean him versus mjf isn't going to be great, especially that Jericho or that he didn't really coming didn't really come out of this Jericho feud looking that strong. And Chairman, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I like Adam Cole. I mean, big fan of his. I mean, I'm willing to give the babyface thing a chance. I do agree, though. We don't need Dr. Britt Baker attached to the hip at him. Like, it's, I mean, it's like y'all said before, you know, the Seth Becky, Lana Rusev, you know, whatever it may be, you know, very, very rarely do we get something like a Macho Man on Miss Elizabeth that it actually works. It doesn't happen very often in wrestling where you get your significant other with you side by side. You know, Britt's got her own stories to tell. You know, she doesn't need to be attached to Adam Cole. I mean, it's just Adam Cole can get over as a baby face on his own. He doesn't need Dr. Britt Baker by his side. I mean, he's got plenty of fans. The story's there, his comeback, you know, people are already going to get behind that. People like him. You know, they're going to cheer for him against someone like Chris Jericho. If they happen to do the MJF thing, he'll get support there too. And this is where it gets interesting. I wouldn't hate seeing an Adam Cole MJF match. I think the match could be good. I think the promos will be fire because these two are very good at, you know, talking. But, you know, it's like y'all said too MJF will just target Britt Baker because that's what MJF does. And his shit sticks getting a little old, honestly. You know, he's going to attack the girl in his promos, and that will set Adam Cole off. And there's only so many times you can do that. Like, Jericho, you know, they him and the outcast, they all attack Britt. And it's like, how many more times are we going to attack Britt to get Cole all worked up? It's like Cam said. He's not a tough guy. He's not going to go and beat up seven dudes at once. Like, he's he's small. You know, he can be an underdog. I mean, he can – but he, he's not going to, you know, whoop everybody's ass that talks down Britt Baker. I mean, he'll try, but – it's just not going to work. There's, there's ways to make him a bay face, and I think it can really work. But, yes, I do agree. You know, we've seen him kick ass as a heel, you know, whether it be Undisputed Era, Ring of Honor, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I'm willing to give a potential chance here to a program of MGF should it happen, but I also don't see him losing. Or I'm sorry, I don't see MGF losing the title to Adam Cole either. I think that Ran Terror would continue. I would much rather see some other booking decisions made at, you know, the freaking pay-per-view like cam said it was garbage like a lot of the wrong people won in my opinion like orange cassidy shouldn't have won uh freaking world should have won if you would have had let's say christian cage has the tnt champion or if you would have had i don't know just to say jay white has the intercontinent international champion or the hell it's called they change it every five days like adam cole could have two perfect opportunities there to face two heels and work himself up to the top of the card like, that's would have been a perfect scenario, but also Tony Khan can't book shit. So, <laughs> Adam Cole, I uh, wish you the best. I hope everything goes well for you because you're one of my favorite wrestlers. But right now you're hanging out with your girl, and it's getting kind of awkward. Yeah, and that kind of goes into the last of our big four topics here. And, you know, the whole AEW Double or Nothing show, just to, just as a, like I said, as a whole, it's like – I look at it and I go, okay, you're looking at these matches on the card. Like Cam said, first off, you have outside interference in a lot in a lot of them. You know, and these first matches after the Battle Royal, you've got Chris Jericho. You know, I you know he's a key cog in AEW, but an older wrestler. You've got Sabu as a special guest enforcer for whatever reason as there. Then the next match, you've got Jeff Jarrett wrestling on the show, who's an older wrestler. You've got Christian Cage again, somebody that's been doing good in AEW, but you know, does he need to have a a spot on the pay-per-view. You've got Billy Gunn in a match on this show. You've got, I mean, you know, obviously that's the main event matches after that, but then you have guys like Swerve and Penta and, you know, Phoenix in the battle Royal when these guys, I think are the ones should be having singles matches, standout matches on the show. And your Jeff Jarrett's your Christian cages, you know, 
I don't want to put Jericho in that group. I mean, hell, even on the pre-show with the Hardys having their own match. Those are the guys that should be in these battle royals and not having their own, you know, one-on-one tag team matches, six-man tag matches, etc. And yeah, that, that kind of dragged down the the whole pay-per-view. I mean, I know the women's match had to get cut short because of Jamie Hayter's injury, so I'm not going to hold that against them. Um, so, I mean, we'll talk about the Jay Cargill, Chris Statlander stuff in a little bit, but like, you know, the, the, the fatal four-way was fine. It was good. And the, you know, Anarchy in the Arena is okay. I mean, that's going to obviously keep going because you had Takashita turn and uh, on Kenny Omega. So we're going to see something going there as far as that story goes. Um, I don't know what's next for the Elite and these guys. I mean, it seems like Don Callis may be forming his own stable of guys going forward. Maybe, you know, I heard him bring up the word family a lot. So maybe he's trying to form his own version of like a Heenan family. Who the hell knows? But it wasn't a good momentum builder for AEW coming out of the show. Now, of course, you know, we're recording this on Sunday. We know we're, if you haven't heard yet that you're going to see at forbidden door, Omega and Osprey and Daniel Bryanson, Daniel Bryan, Danielson, geez, excuse me. And Okada. So those are obviously going to be big, huge matches, but again, you know, obviously that show is going to be great, but it's just a small stop in the AEW wheel. And maybe it probably won't lead to anything big for storyline wise after it. So, um, just your thoughts, Cam, like you kind of already mentioned it already, the show on everything from this pay-per-view and, you know, how AEW carries forward. I mean, yeah, outside of, well, first of all, I thought it was hilarious. At least they gave us the payoff with Callis coming out and, you know, beating up, beating up the elite. Okay. But before that, we had no, we had no, you know, Don Callis didn't come out, didn't do anything. Then they had the interview with JR on freaking YouTube. And I'm like, if this is the way they're going to play this off, that's the laziest dumb shit I've ever seen. AEW's been around for three, four years now. And the best time Kenny Omega's ever been what I consider anything of a good version of Kenny Omega's when he was with Don Callis. They dressed like assholes. They acted like assholes. It was the best version of Kenny Omega. And then now he's back to, you know, buddying around with the fucking elite and it was not a great match i don't care what anyone says it shouldn't have headlined the show they built the show around the four pillars and mgf doesn't headline you know we're always we're always unless it's something out insanely outstanding where it needs to not be the headliner your world title match should always be last you know you look at the saudi show sure seth and aj were first but the bloodline's a bigger story so it headlined now, if you're going to try to argue with me that the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite is on the same level as anything the Bloodline will do or ever will do, you're just an AEW mark who hates the WWE. Now, Don Callis coming back, like I said, he's entertaining. He gets pro wrestling, so if he gets a little stable going, and like we said at Forbidden Door, if they can get Will Ospreay to come over and be in New Japan more than just once, every couple of months and he joins that stable, I'm all for it. But if it's just a one-off Kenny versus Will Ospreay, a big giant Dave Meltzer six-star match, I have no interest. I don't care. We've been there. We've seen it before. This is just a way to get people to buy the show who people were on the fence. And just like me, I'll pirate, probably pirate it because $50, $60 in 2023 for a wrestling show doesn't make any freaking sense. Um, yeah, they just... The FTR tag match was goofy, and it went, like, fucking 20 minutes too long. Um, I mean, I, did, I had a problem with the entire show. I didn't think it was good at all. The Chris Stratlander coming back is your best, you know, best turn, your best um, 
moment is what kind of shows you where the where the paper or where the company is kind of going right now. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like it. Obviously, the elite and the Blackpool Combat Club will continue. Maybe you know Don and Takashita will join up with them. Who knows? But if he's joining his own, getting his own stable, that'll be like 27 stables in AEW when they don't need any stables anymore. Um, at some point, Cassidy has to drop his title. It was a perfect opportunity. JY got eliminated like in the middle with Juice Robinson. Uh, and then the follow-up was Big Bill versus Strickland and um, fuck who was and, and Trent Beretta. Like, come on, that's your follow-up to your third title was Trent Beretta and Big Bill being in a match on Dynamite? I don't care. I don't buy it. Swerve Strickland looks like a star. He should be the champion. He should be getting a one-on-one with Cassidy or anyone else. Or Adam Cole. Put Cole and, and Orange Cassidy together. That would make the crowd go crazy, even though I guess technically they're both baby faces. I don't know. I just I didn't like it. I thought coming out of the pay per view, nothing did nothing. Nothing is going really anybody's way. MJF wasn't on the show this past week except a promo or a backstage tape thing that they probably taped in Vegas. So MJF got the week off, which you know is fine. I think we've been getting too much MJF. Um, and then we're going to talk about it, but I mean, MJF's next big feud, if no one's going to take down that champion for the next while, it should be the guy that no one wants to talk about because he doesn't want to play ball with the elite. All right. And, uh, chairman, your thoughts on AEW coming out of the show. You know, I was kind of interested in the show leading up to a slightly, I mean, I think it was one of the better builds versus the last couple, but it still wasn't enough to push me into buying the pay-per-view because I just, it's like Cam said, it's $50 in this economy. Like, no, like it's time to give grow up, join up with Paramount plus or HBO max or one of the other 18 streaming services and freaking just do something because I can go and get a WWE event on Peacock for five, 10 bucks a month. Like, and I got their back catalog too. AW, Tony Khan, Shaheed Khan, you got all this fucking money. Let's, let's play ball here and get a streaming platform going. You know, it's time. I'm not paying 50 bucks to watch your half-ass freaking Jeff Jarrett's and freaking Billy Guns. If I want to watch them, I can watch it on Peacock. I mean, let's be real, in their prime. But, you know, it's like, you know, can't just say MJF wasn't on the show. It's like, okay, you just had this four pillars match that you guys are building up. Build up so much you didn't give the main event, of course. And then the champ's not there. You know, we don't even have anything started for the next program, per se. So that's cool. I mean, your biggest walk off from this past dynamite was having you know the adam cole and that all that story that we just talked about was like the freaking driving force of your show i didn't think the elite or kenny were really on i mean dynamite literally just plays i peek up on occasion from my phone like i just don't have as much interest in aw as i did you know a couple years ago and it sucks because i really wanted to like i did like it you know obviously for a few years but lately it's just said you know you're bringing in some guys i like and then it's like Put it this way, CM Punk coming back still doesn't move the needle for me to watch Collision on Saturday night. That's how much I'm losing interest here. Like, I don't, I don't know what went wrong. I don't know where it went wrong, honestly. But it's just like Coach Seiki Toshida, or the fuck his name is. I'm sorry, I'm not. I don't know this guy very well, but apparently he's like the he's the reason of the main event. Like, this is the the closing of the night. Like this guy, this fucking guy. Like, really? This is the guy that ruined the whole night for the elite, and now him and Callis might do their own thing and not join up the Blackpool Combat Club at all. Like, that makes no sense to me at all, but whatever. Um, I mean, if Don Callis wants to call up Kurgan and bring back the Truth Commission, you know, let's ride. 
or get real crazy and go when he managed the oddities for like a hot minute, bring back all of them to get all those guys out there. I mean, yeah, so Kirkin was an oddity too. I forgot about that. All right, so that finishes up the main portion of the show. Next topic, we got three topics here. We're basically going to go ahead and finish the sentence. So um, I'll ask you, Cam, for this first one. Your interest in Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar 3 is what? I mean, it, it's still there. It's peaked. I thought they did a great job. Cody had the broken arm. They did the whole thing where Triple H let him wrestle. And, you know, he still had a good showing against Brock. Um, this is what's going to elevate him to the next level. And we kind of knew that this was, once they started doing the program, this wasn't going to be a one-off. And you can't do two matches in pro wrestling. you got to do at least three. Um, does it happen in Money in the Bank? Maybe they take some time off. It doesn't look like Cody's going to be in Money in the Bank. So maybe both those guys, I mean, I can't see them both missing the pay-per-view. It's in London. I know it's already sold out. Uh, um, so, you know, probably happens there. Cody is definitely going to get the win, regardless of when and where this takes place. Cody's beating Brock Lesnar. Um, Brock obviously doesn't mind losing. He doesn't care. Uh, Brock doesn't need to face Roman or Seth for these titles anytime soon, if ever again. So Cody is going to be the one that's going to win it. Um, they're, Reportedly, there was reports that Cody said, let's do a dog collar match. And Brock didn't want to do a dog collar match for whatever reason. So you could do a last man standing, no holds barred type of match, hell in the cell, whatever you want to do. Um, Cody will come out looking strong. And by that time, you know, maybe Cody is the one that takes on Seth Rollins. But right now, you know, when you think about it, you kind of need to stretch this out a little bit. Um, you can't take the title off Seth right away. So Seth needs to be the champion for four or five, six months. Maybe the Royal Rumble, you could do Cody versus Seth for the title, or maybe Cody wins the Rumble. Who really knows? The intrigue is there um, for what's next for, for Cody Rhodes, but I think the story's been good. You give him that sim sympathetic baby face pops, and every, you know, everyone loves him. I mean, outside of, you know, Roman's super over. Seth, we talked about, is super over. Cody is still super over, despite this screwy um, finish they did at Mania. He's bounced back from this very well. He beat Brock the first time, you know, now he, he takes the loss, even though he didn't tap out, he, you know, basically passed out type of thing. I thought it was one of the better Brock Lesnar matches we've seen, especially when Saudi Arabia, when Brock, when he typically goes over there, just has a five minute match and it's over. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's either going to be last man standing or hell in the cell or something like that. Don't do any stupid stipulations with Cody like they did in AEW where if I can't, you know, if I beat you, I'm going to leave the company or something dumb. Um, just have a last man standing match. Let Cody reign supreme over Brock Lesnar. And hell, maybe we'll even get a Cody versus Gunther match down the road. Who knows? But the intrigue is still there. They're obviously going to take a little bit of time. You know, Money in the Bank is, what, another month away. So you could have Cody be off TV this week if you want to, maybe two weeks, and then say, you know, I'm medically cleared. You know, let's do this one more time. And you get your last man standing match probably at Money in the Bank. Yeah, I was going to say, my answer would, to finish my sentence, would definitely be is still there because I want to see Cody coming out of this strong. Like you said, there's got to be some kind of stipulation with it. Um, I would assume probably hell in a cell. You know, Brock's not going to give a fuck. He's going to bleed. You know, Cody, if he's got his dad's genes, he's going to want to bleed because Dusty bladed every single day like Ric Flair. You know, they're going to want to go out there and go all out. You know, I maybe they're a little bit more lenient. I mean, we saw Brock bust himself open hard way, which was kind of planned. Um, I actually, when I turned on the beginning of NXT this past week, I saw when they were promoting the JC Jane, Gigi Dolan match, when JC was busted open the last time they fought, they actually showed her blood too. And it wasn't grayed out or anything. It was just like a regular, you know, color 
you know, picture like they always do. So maybe they're letting it be a little more lenient here and there and we can get some kind of blood in that kind of match. But yeah, for me, my answer would definitely be still there because we got to get, it's a fine for this to be a summer program. Like you said, Brock can, doesn't care about winning, winning or losing, just making his money, which is fine. And you know what? The funny thing is he's been entertaining these last two years and it's been great. Even this heel version of Brock, when we were all nervous about the happy-go-lucky Brock going away. Um, Chairman, what are your thoughts? How do you finish that sentence? Oh, boy. I would say questionable. Like, you know we're going to do best out of three, but, I mean, now Cody's got an injured arm, maybe. I mean, we're not sure how long he's out for. I feel like he's kind of getting off the path now. Like, I mean, I know he's got to finish the story of Brock, but, I mean, obviously he's end game is to get you know the championship from roman reigns and obviously money in the banks the next pay-per-view like he really should be putting all of his focus on money in the bank especially if roman's on smackdown cody's on raw the only gateway to get there you know by legal means is a money in the bank briefcase so i feel like he needs to enter that match and if he doesn't enter that match then they're gonna have to get real creative like royal rumble maybe it's like the only way he can get back there you know, unless he deters his attention to Seth. But, like, you know, Cody obviously wants to be world champion. And, he, you know, sure, he beat Brock Lesnar. Brock beat him. They're going to finish their little trilogy. And then what? What's next for Brock? I heard Brock's name come up for a Seth opponent, possibly. So maybe, you know, Brock beats Seth, and then Cody beats Brock, and then everyone's happy. I mean, I don't know if that's the way I would do things. I think Seth needs to have a decent run. You know, we, we talked about earlier in the show how the heels have had wrong, long reigns. I think Seth needs to at least have a couple months reign with a fresh title. Like, you don't want the first reign to be like, oh, 30 days. Like, that's dumb. But, yeah, I mean, as far as Cody and Brock goes, like, you really have to have a base stipulation, I think. We're talking hell in the cell. You know, bring it out for a reason or something. Like, make, make it matter, I guess. Like, sell me on this, you know, fi- finale of this trilogy and then move on. Okay, next question is going to be back over to AEW. Uh, So the way Jade Cargill lost the TNT title is what? And I'm going to go ahead and finish that by saying short-sighted. I mean, we talked about the funny thing is, well, it might have been me, I don't know who, but we talked about, you know, them bringing back Chris Statlander to be the one to possibly dethrone Jade Cargill. And sure enough, she does it, but in an impromptu, you know, I'm making an open challenge here match, and I want somebody to, you know, fight after her, after she'd be a Ty Valkyrie, and then here comes, you know, Chris Statlander. She gets the win in the match, and just like that, Jade Cargill's reign is over, and I mean, I know Jade's not the best wrestler. I know people are like using like, well, it wouldn't have been a good match anyway. So what is, difference does it make if people haven't liked her title reign? But the problem is AEW has been trying to make the title reign feel big. So if you're going to go ahead and push her being however many and oh she was being undefeated, I mean, you could get a main event out of, I mean, I know she doesn't appear on Dynamite, but guess what? If you built it up big enough to have a big enough challenger, you could get a main event out of a TV show for that, whether it's Dynamite, Collision, Rampage. You could have gotten something, even if it's the first episode of Collision, built up, build it up for the next couple weeks and say, hey, Jade Cargill goes up against Chris Statlander for the for the TBS championship on the first episode of Collision. Make it seem like a big deal. Is it going to be a huge ratings draw? No, but it's better, I think, than giving away the match for free like they did. Or not for free, I'm sorry, not for free, but the match 
like they did on the pay-per-view where there's no notice, there's no build to it at all. So I thought it was very short-sighted on AEW's part to go ahead and do it like they did. Um, Chairman, how are you finishing that sentence? Shocking is a good word here because not only did Jade Cargill lose the TBS championships, she also lost her undefeated streak. Like, I was, you know... Everyone kind of figured maybe it would be a surprise, you know, newcomer, whatever it may be, to be the one to defraud J.D. Cargill. Said it's a returning Chris Jantlander. And I got no problem with Chris Jantlander. I like Chris. I think she's fantastic, especially since she kind of went into more of a serious competitor versus that whole boopy nose alien gimmick she was running when she first debuted. Like, I'm glad that's behind her now. And, I, I mean, her biggest problem is her knees don't want to stay intact. Like, I'm hoping she's over these injuries and – she can have a good, successful career. You know, you know, people get behind Chris, I think. And I think Jade's got her own fan base. But now that, you know, Jade's got this, <laughs> you know, belt, you know, an undefeated streak off of her, now we can kind of move on with Jade Cargo. Now, you know, obviously we had a transition, you know, with Tony Storm, you know, beating Jamie Hayter, which unfortunately, you know, Jamie was obviously unable to do the match as well as they wanted to because she's hurt. So, you know, they flipped the titles. No interns this time for Tony Storm. So I'm sure she's thrilled. But, you know, maybe Jade can put the target there now if they want to kind of make Jade a baby face. Um, you know, or maybe she tries to go after Chris or whatever it may be. There's lots of ways to play off this. But I guess it's definitely shocking to see this happen, especially after Jade already had a match with, you know, Ty Valkyrie. So, you know, it is what it is. It's done. It's over with. We move on. All right, Cam, and how are you finishing that sentence? Um, I love how you short-sighted. I think that might be, like, the best one. Goofy, silly, um, unorthodox. I mean, this isn't – there wasn't, like, a cash-in. It's not like you had a money in the break, money in the bank briefcase. Like, I get Jade – you know, open the challenge, and, you know, she's a cocky hill. She just beat Taya. She's like, okay, I'll fight somebody else tonight, too. Stratlander comes out. I mean, you could have just easily had Stratlander come out after the match and say, I'm back, and I want to fight you, Jade, and I want to do it at the first collision. And, yeah, like you said, is it a huge rating draw? No, but it gives you a couple of weeks to reintroduce Chris Stratlander. Um, it gives her, you know, she could have, like, a match versus somebody to actually earn this title match against Jade Cargill, who, you know who it is the TBS women's championship. It is their, their second title, but she has been the most dominant woman in AEW in all their history. I mean, sure. You know, Tony Khan has a hard on for Britt Baker and you know, there's Soraya and there's other women that are at the top. If you want to say that of AEW, but it was, it was lazy. It was, yeah, you could easily announce it. You could have did it on dynamite. You could have done it on the first collision, which I think is the best thing because you know, you're having, which we'll talk about, you're having punk come out and punk's going to get reintroduced and, you know, probably doesn't have a match or anything like that. But that could be your main event. Or you could have CM Punk open the show, and you can close the show with the women's title match and end it with a shocking thing. Instead, they do it on the pay-per-view, unadvertised. Jade kind of looks dumb, if you will. Now, let's assume she gets a rematch because she's the champion. She obviously gets a rematch. And if she gets a rematch and just beats the crap out of Chris Stratlander, what's the point of that? I don't think they're going to do that. I think it's time for Jade. We've been saying for a month, two months, three months, it's time for her to be pushed up into this uh, mid or to the main event of the women's title, her versus Tony Storm, whatever you want to do, all these things that Jade has earned. Is she a great wrestler? No, but her character is good enough, and she can be, you know, she should be considered, you know, a top woman in AEW. 
So for her to, you know, win the match and then be short-sighted, like Justin said, and just have an open challenge, she loses the match. It makes her look silly. Uh, it doesn't really give Chris, Matt, Chris Stratland her that much because Jay just had a match. And then again, you, you give a rematch, and if she beats her, okay, fine. That's what she should have done the first time. But you have Chris come back out, re-debut, you know, this week on Dynamite, which they didn't even freaking do. Um, the next week on Dynamite, have her have a match to reintroduce herself, beat somebody from, you know, any of the women that you have, have her beat her, and then have the match with Jade on the first collision show. That that just makes sense. You you book it, you give it a little bit of time, you let people get reintroduced to Chris Stratlander, you let her rebuild herself up instead of just coming out of the curtain. I mean, I don't know. I didn't I didn't really like it. Like I said, it was the most shocking thing about Double or Nothing, but doesn't mean it was necessarily great. Um, now you're going to have Jade pissed off. And if Jade is pissed off, she should, in theory, beat the crap out of Chris Stratlander, who, for all intents and purposes, was a comedic character for AEW since her debut. She did the alien thing. She was with best friends. Like, she is a comedic character. If she's going to be this serious, badass character, we need to see it on screen, not just for 15 seconds on a pay-per-view. She needs to come out. She needs to cut a promo. She needs to have a match. So people are like, okay, she's changed her character. She's she's more serious now. She's a badass now. So now we feel like, okay, it's possible that she could be Jay Cargill. Because none of these matches that Jade had through her 60-0 reign, were, were none of, nobody was like, oh, well, this person could be Jade or this person. No one thought any of these things because she was fighting B-level, C-level players. Now, if Chris Stratlander is going to come back and say, hey, I'm an A-plus player, I'm a badass, you know, cut a promo, have a match, like I said, and then have the match as your main event for the first collision. People will tune in, and if Stratlander beats her, then you give Jade time off, and then Jade can show up on Dynamite a couple of weeks from now and, you know, start her push towards fighting Tony Storm or whoever the champ. And that is going to be our show for this week as we recapped everything from the world of WWE and AEW. And we will be back next week to talk about anything else happening in the world of professional wrestling as well. Get a little bit more into Forbidden Door 2 taking place uh, this month with AEW and maybe a little bit into the history of the King of the Ring as well. But for my co-host Cam and the chairman Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off and we will talk to you then.